I would, uh, I would like to start by showing you all some, some pictures, if, uh, if we have them available, of, uh, of, a, of a trip to Spain that I took with my parents a few years ago. Um, I have a friend, Carlos, who is an architect, and uh, he lives in Madrid. And Carlos, the architect, has a friend, Don Justo, who is a very interesting story. So this man, Don Justo, was uh, a long time ago, he was in a monastery when he was younger. He wanted to be a monk. And uh, unfortunately, he contracted tuberculosis. And uh, he, he recovered, but he, they wouldn't let him stay in the monastery anymore. So he was thinking, you know, what, what am I going to do with my life? I thought this is, you know, what I was supposed to do. So he decided to dedicate his life to build a cathedral, a bona fide cathedral, um, a house of worship uh, just outside of Madrid. So he essentially he sold all of his land except for the land that he wanted to build on, and uh, he sold all, uh, many of his possessions and uh, almost all that he had, and he began working on it. And he used uh, a lot of borrowed materials, which uh, hopefully you'll see, and he built it mostly all by himself. And that was over 50 years ago. And uh, he is still working on it today. And now he's in his upper 80s. And you can find him most days uh, up on the rafters somewhere, banging away. Um, and it's almost complete. So my friend uh, Carlos, the architect, he kind of helped him with some of his plans to make sure that the building was structurally sound. So uh, if we want to look at, if we have some pictures, here we go. Oh, you have to turn your head a little bit. Everyone turn your head this way. You can see that's uh, the, the sanctuary area. And then we have uh, this. If you can see those bricks, those are all um, rejected bricks. They're misshapen that he used to, uh, to, build, uh, to build that tower. There's a whole, probably a whole sermon about that I could do. But anyway, there you see that. This is me and Carlos. I'm sorry about your necks if they're if they're hurting. Um, we're we're up there, and this is uh, the view of the cathedral from across the street. And uh, I think that that's that should be about it. Um, so Carlos gave us a, a personal tour of this place, and uh, and that's and that's what we're looking at. This this man Don Justo, essentially he's a man. He's given literally. Everything he has, his possessions, his strength, his whole life, to building a cathedral for God. And the question is, what are we building? What kind of builders should we be? Today, I would like to convince you that we should all become bodybuilders. What do I mean by this? Well, I might mean something like this. There's, there's Arnold. Arnold. No, I, I don't mean that, of course. What do I mean by a bodybuilder? I mean that we should build up the body of Messiah. I'm talking about edifying and building up others around us. Do you know that our bodies are like buildings or houses which contain the Ruach HaKodesh? And how do we build up others? With our words. 
words of encouragement, words of edification. Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Let's say that one part again. Building others up according to their needs. One more time. Building others up according to their needs. So what do people need to hear? They need to hear that God values them, that he has a purpose for their lives, that Yeshua gave his life for them out of love. They need to hear that God is merciful and forgives sin, that we have a reason to hope in times of difficulty, that God uses all things for good for those who love him, those called according to his purpose. Everyone needs building up and encouragement, especially children and young people. This can go the other way as well. I remember hearing the testimony of a very prominent worship leader whose stepfather told him at an early age, he said, you're worthless. And uh, the stepfather was also physically abusive, but the worship leader later said that all of the physical pain he went through was not anything compared to the emotional pain that this statement made. Years later, when he was writing bona fide hit songs for the Lord, he never believed that he was any good, no matter what his friends tried to tell him. Beloved, let's strive to always build up our young people, telling them how much we value them, how precious they are. In the book, Heaven is for Real, a young boy claims to visit heaven for a while and comes back to his father, a pastor, with stories that he couldn't possibly know. Now, there was uh, another story that Rabbi David told me about that was uh, where a boy visited heaven, and this was later proved to be untrue. But this, this story, this book, as far as I know, has been verified, and they made a, a movie out of it as well. Anyway, at one point, he keeps, he keeps coming up to his dad, and he goes, Dad, Jesus loves the little children. And then he comes up to him a little bit later, and he goes, Dad, Jesus loves the children. And uh, he started to annoy his father, you know, with this, because he keeps saying it over and over. And the father's a pastor. Um, and, uh, and then he, eventually the father asks, like, why, why does he keep telling him this? And he says, it's because Yeshua kept saying it over and over when he was with him in heaven. Now, I believe that this story is true, but whether this boy went to heaven or not, Yeshua does greatly value children in the Brit Chadashah. He values all his children, even the older ones, like Robert Ramos, for example. So we need to be speaking value into the young and old children in our lives. In the scriptures, one word is used over and over for building up others. It's oikodomeo. Do you want to try that? Oikodomeo, that's good. So it comes from two words in the Greek, oikos, which means house, and the word domeo, which means build. So if any of you buy oikos Greek yogurt, you might notice the little pillars that make up the house. See, there's oikos, 
And uh, so that's, that's a little picture to help jog your memory. And that means, what does that mean, oikos? House. So when you build up others, you are oikodomeo. You are house building. In other words, you're building up the house of their spirit with encouragement. So whenever you see that, that yogurt in the grocery store, I want you to think of this, of this scripture. You think you can do that? Now, I'm not speaking of uh, literal house builders, just as we are not literal bodybuilders like Arnold, simply lifting weights for the Lord. But we are building up others' houses by building their faith, building their hope, their maturity, their understanding of God. So many verses use this very word to remind us to build others' houses. Romans 14:19 states, let us, therefore, make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification, oikodomeo. Romans 15.2 says, Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. And 1 Corinthians 14.12 says, Likewise with you, since you eagerly seek the things of the Spirit, seek especially what will help in edifying the congregation. The context of the last one is that Paul wants his congregation to seek the spiritual gifts that will most benefit others, because that is precisely what spiritual gifts are designed to do, to be bodybuilders, to build up the body of Messiah. And this brings me to the second way that we are bodybuilders. We are to build up the body of our local congregation and of the Messianic Jewish movement as a whole. After all, building is in our mission statement, which we often hear. We are building a congregation for Yeshua within the Richmond Jewish community. We're also building a bridge between the wider body of Messiah and the body of Israel. But how can we build something like that? This is no longer merely encouraging others in the faith. All communities are disciples that are disciples of Yeshua are called to build up one another in encouragement and love. This is, this is building toward a common vision in our community. All faith communities should be building something according to their calling. But our calling is something specific that not all faith communities are called to. How should we build up our community vision. Well, I thought we could take a look at a, a building story. Um, this is a really great story. Uh, if you get a chance to read all of it, it's found in Nehemiah. So we're, we're going to see if there's any themes in this story that, that can help apply to our building. So let's go back to the time of Nehemiah, all right? So the year is 444 BCE. Our people had been exiled from the land of Israel, and then brought back after 70 years. But not all of them went back right away. So there were actually three waves. So the first two waves were during the time of Ezra, just before Nehemiah. So they, they went back after 70 years. And Nehemiah was actually a governor under uh, the Persian king. And he leads the third and last wave going back. This is almost 100 years after the first wave. And he finds that, you know, the temple has been restored and rebuilt under Ezra. Uh, but he finds the wall, the wall that surrounds Jerusalem, 
it's fallen into disrepair. In short, the city is in ruins because of the wall. So Nehemiah decides to rebuild it. So does he start his plans by telling God what he's going to do? Does he start off drawing sketches and giving orders? No. First, he prays. He repents on behalf of the people and seeks God's guidance. Why is Nehemiah, along with many Jews, exiled to Persia in the first place? Because of Israel's sin. So he starts off humbly asking for forgiveness and then makes teshuvah, return or repentance, literally and figuratively, back to the land. He reminds Hashem of the promise to bring the people back and to restore them spiritually, physically, and every other way. So when we are building our vision for Tikvat, let us start as Nehemiah did, in a position of humbleness and prayer so that we may build on a solid foundation. Then let us lean on God's promise that applies to our congregation's vision for the restoration of Israel back to Messiah. So we could pray something like this. Avinu, forgive us our sins, both corporate and personal. We seek your will for building our vision. You promised in your word in Jeremiah 32, verse 40, speaking of the people of Israel, I will make an everlasting covenant with them. I will never stop doing good to them, and I will inspire them to fear me so that they will never turn away from me. Abba, for your name's sake, use us to bring about this vision in the city of Richmond where you have placed us. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. Then, after his prayer, Nehemiah appeals to the king for help. He inspects where the wall is broken down, and he puts everyone in their proper place on the wall, building in the right section. In the scripture, it actually lists everyone by name and where they were on the wall. I think it would be, it would be kind of fun to, to go to Jerusalem today with the book of Nehemiah and try to figure out where everyone was. Hey, we're, we're at the dung gate. This is where Machia repaired its doors and locks. Here's a, a picture of the current dung gate, uh, where this is where the ancient one probably was. So if you ever go here, you can be like, oh, I see what's happening here, right? But how can this apply to our vision at Tikvat? Nehemiah goes to the secular king for the resources and permission he needs. But we can go to King Yeshua for permission and resources and encouragement. Nehemiah inspected where the wall needed repairs. We can do the same by examining the weak areas to see how to begin building our vision. Then the scripture says they all worked together on rebuilding the wall, each in their own section. This, this means that each person is doing the work that God has called them to do and not someone else's. Some might say, well, you know, I'm not in the full-time ministry. How can I help with this vision? To this, I would respond that Nehemiah himself had a full-time secular job as governor. He was not a priest like Ezra, nor was he a prophet like Malachi. These were both his contemporaries. He was just a guy. He was a guy with vision. So if we all at Tikvat are doing our own part, building our section of the wall, 
then we are supporting and fulfilling God's calling for our community, building a congregation for Yeshua within the Richmond Jewish community. And the last lesson of the story of Nehemiah that I want to bring out is that there was opposition, both from within and from without, to the building of the wall. There were enemies trying to attack them. There was squabbling among the builders. There were malicious and false prophets trying to sabotage the work out of jealousy. So how did they respond to these attempts at derailing the process, the progress of building the wall? One way is that Nehemiah instructed his workers to have their weapons on them at all times, to always be ready to battle, to have, on the one hand, their building tool, and on the other hand, their sword. And we should also expect the building of our vision at Tikvat to come with opposition. Some in the Jewish community might not accept us or agree with what we're building, and that's okay. And the same might be true in parts of the Christian community. While Nehemiah's battle was against flesh and blood, ours is not, but against the principalities of darkness. We need to, as we build, be prayer warriors against the enemy's plans. We should have one hand building and the other hand on the sword of the Spirit, speaking the word in love when we are discouraged. So, we should be bodybuilders, building up the body of Messiah with encouragement. And we should be building the vision that God has given us our congregation, by humbly referring to God's promises in Scripture, by faithfully doing our part that we are called to, and by interceding in spiritual warfare in anticipation of resistance to the vision. Consider again Don Justo on the rafters of his unfinished cathedral, working away. What do you think motivates him to move toward finishing such an awesome, daunting building project? One of the websites I found about him describes him as crazy for devoting his life to such a work. What can motivate us when we are weary of opposition or become complacent or feel like the world thinks we're a little bit crazy? Psalm 127 verse 1 states, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city. The guards stand watch in vain. Our motivation should be through Hashem, for Hashem, and back unto Hashem. Romans 11 verse 36 states, for from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Hashem is the source of our motivation and the one that we do all things for. I imagine that on his low days, Don Justo is motivated by his love for God to finish building the vision. Not many congregations have the calling and vision that our congregation has. The Messianic Jewish movement is a small, tiny movement of God in the larger body of Messiah. But who else? is at the epicenter of two major world religions, Judaism and Christianity. Who else but the Messianic Jewish movement is honoring the King of Israel, Yeshua, through the Jewish feasts? Who else but us is building this timely project? 
praying for the full restoration of the Jewish people. Beloved, we are the ones called to build this wall at this time. Let's answer that call with our whole hearts. If there is a vision worth giving our time and our energy and our prayers, our sacrifices, our bodies, our lives for, I believe this is it. Let's pray.